Welcome to Average Joe Meets the UK's Everyday Entrepreneurs, where we talk to all kinds of business owners across the country about how they got started and what it's really like to run their business, so that we can learn and be inspired to start something of our own. This episode, we're speaking to Mark Kasari, who at 53, along with his wife Rosie, decided to sell their house in Berkshire and with the proceeds up sticks and moved to Norfolk and buy a deli in the seaside town of Hunstanton. That was back in 2014 and on the 3rd of January next year, the Norfolk deli will be celebrating its 10th birthday. It is an unrecognisable business to what it was a decade ago. Besides the shop itself having a design facelift, Mark and Rosie have worked really hard to build up and expand their relationships with local suppliers They now work with 80 producers across Norfolk, which makes up 80% of the stock in their deli, and they've also sourced a wide selection of specialist cheeses. Mark also focused heavily on growing the online side of things when they took over, and now norfolk-deli.co.uk receives orders from across the world. And then, in 2019, they expanded further and took on a cafe, which they named the Norfolk Deli Cafe, Three Doors Down, and that's now run by their son, daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law's twin sister. Mark describes it as Costa meets Ottolenghi, and you can see what he means if you go to their Instagram, at Norfolk Delhi. Mark reflects on his and Rosie's past jobs and life events in the lead up to Norfolk Delhi, from IT sales to acting to midwifery to having three children along the way. He also talks in some useful detail about the process of buying the business and then improving it, and how it's organically transformed into the successful family business that it is today. Thank you, Mark, for sharing your business setup story and a little of your life story with us. Hello, Mark. Hello, Joe. Hi. Hi. Good to talk to you. And a deli in a cafe is probably one of those businesses high up on people's list as one of those you you dream about as a better lifestyle option when you're on your Monday morning in the office in a meeting. (laughs) So it'd be great to speak to someone who can actually reveal the realities. First of all, amongst that delicious spread you have available at norfolk-deli.co.uk, I spotted the, the, the merch, the Norfolk Deli merch, and I particularly liked that Norfolk Deli straight out of Hunston was that your inspiration? Was that your idea? It was. I th- think the thing is that anything and everything that you see online, whether it is on our social, whether it's our merchandising, anything that is designed comes out of my head. I guess, you know, so if I'm probably one of the older, if not the oldest uh, interviewee uh, that you've spoken to so far. And I guess my background in working in IT, working in IT sales and marketing, working in roles where, for example, here's your sales target, Mark, go out into the big wide world and deliver it. It's kind of all good groundwork for for if you then want to and have that ambition to do so to actually run your own business, because um, there's nothing more challenging than somebody giving you a sales target where, where they say, here's the product that you're going to go out and sell. Here's a target that we think is achievable, which you then think, God, that's never achievable. Seriously, what planet do you think you were on? And 
then having to think of ways in which to find customers, develop customers, market to customers. You know, so you you may well have a marketing department, but they have their own agenda. They've got a, a maybe a nationwide or global agenda in terms of how they're positioning a product. And you may look at that and say, you know, well, that's not really suitable for the market that I'm actually in and for the people I've been targeted to target. So therefore, you have to be creative. And I yeah. kind of taken taken at levels all those levels of creativity and then thought to myself okay well what do we need as a business you know we need a website we need logo we need strap lines we need a visibility on social media and i think you know so some people are maybe more naturally inclined to, uh, towards something like that and i guess i am yeah I, I know you set this up with your lovely wife rosie of uh, 40 years is yes. that correct yeah, we, we've been together, we met uh, back in 1983. Ah. So we've been together for 40 years. We met in a, a telesales company. She was at university at the time, um, doing English and drama. I was kind of in between jobs. I'd uh, been working at a bank and just felt four years after I'd been working there, I felt, you know, this, is, re- this really isn't for me. And needed to find something else. And while I was trying to work out in my mind what I wanted to do, sort of classic classified ads, you know, you can earn X amount by doing this, uh, phoning people and uh, trying to sell, in my case, advertising space around a wall chart planner. You only, to, only to discover that you spend money to actually go somewhere, spend a lot of time speaking to people on the phone and never actually getting anywhere. Apart from the fact that uh, what I did achieve was uh, I found my wife. Um, and <laughs> which we, we, you know, all at the end of the day, you know, sort of what, what, what better reward could I have had? So Rosie had plans to go into acting. And yep. uh, when she finished university, she got a uh, job, got a position, a year's course at uh, East 15 Drama School um, over in Loughton. Um, and she finished drama school and got herself a, an agent and got us one or two jobs and stuff like that. And so we sort of got together. We, I, I, did, I at that point had answered another advert in, I think it was like the evening news or the equivalent of the evening standard as it is nowadays in London. And it was for Tandy. I don't think they exist any longer, but uh, so electrical shops. And I went to the interview and the guy there at the interview said, well, to be honest, Mark, I'm not really looking for somebody to work in uh, one of our electrical shops. I'm looking for somebody to work in one of our Tandy computer stores. And I, th- and he said, and he just said, would you be interested? And I thought, yeah, and so and this was at around about the time I think IBM had possibly just brought out the first IBM PC, so it was all still very very early days of uh, of technology. So yeah. I got the job, started working there, and from a sales point of view, we weren't allowed to go out and try and sell to people. The idea was that people would come into the store. And I was based in Bishopsgate, just opposite Liverpool Street Station. And in those days, you had a computer that was literally, you know, sort of in terms of power and technology, it wouldn't even register on an iPhone, for example. And it would, <laughs> they would cost they would cost four to five thousand pounds, which in modern day money would be probably the equivalent to about twenty thousand uh, pounds. And the expectation was that we just would be in the shop, and somebody would come in from one of the businesses and say, "I'd like to buy a computer, please." And that very rarely happened. And so, in that case, I started getting interested in just how they worked and the technology and stuff like that. And 
happened before I knew it. I became a sort of just a techie within the shop. I'm um, helping people how to reset, reboot, reconfigure computers and whatever. Meanwhile, Rosie had, uh, as I said, had been at drama school, had got yeah. a few jobs. Um, and then when we fought, bought our first uh, place together, which was in Streatham for... Oh yeah, very okay. small, South London. For, for <laughs> South London for a very small yeah. amount of money at that time, um, but for what seemed like an absolute fortune to us, um, she ha- she went to Manchester for a year uh, doing uh, education theatre, and then eventually, when she got back to came back to London, as luck would have it, she got herself a year's contract at the National Theatre, wow. working on a number of uh, performances. One being um, an Alan Lakebourne play. Um, which I'm now struggling and my wife will kill me because I'm trying to remember what the name of the play is. But anyway, she she was at the National Theatre for a year. And always one of her ambitions was to either work for the Royal Shakespeare Company or the National Theatre. And uh, in between this time, I'd already gone from one job to another to yet another. And I think I was at at that point working for Research Machines up in Oxford. And we were at this point now moved from Streatham and we're now living in New Malden in Surrey. And yep. we were expecting our first child, uh, Hannah. And really, at that, you know, so because she'd achieved one of her main ambitions, she kind of just felt, you know, didn't want, you know, I guess when you're in acting, you have to be prepared to drop everything at a, dro- at a, at a drop of a hat. You know, so mm-hmm. I've, got a, I've got a role for you. It's in Aberdeen. And you have to want to say, I don't care what the role is. I'm going to go to Aberdeen, forget everything else. My husband will look after the children, etc. And you go and do that. She didn't really want to do that. She wanted to actually look after her child. And so yeah. so in that case, I was working for research machines. I was working uh, selling computers and networks into universities and colleges in and around London. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, she uh, started doing uh, some various jobs where catering was involved. And both of us, one way or another, have kind of got food and catering in our bloodstreams because my father had been uh, the restaurant manager and then general manager of uh, food at Aspinall's and, and the Curzon House Club in London. Oh, right. And my early one of my earliest jobs had been, I started off as a glass washer, moved on to being a wine commie before eventually being at, working at weekends as a cocktail a barman and sommelier at Aspinall's. So yeah. we'd always had some sort of food link with food everything from doing things like catering for some events because we had friends who worked at a museum in east london the what was called at that time the jeffrey museum which i think has changed its name through to catering for some somebody's wedding and also you know all sorts of things like that but we kind of stuck on a career path an individual career path so at this point we probably had moved now to berkshire uh, to a small village called lambourne and we had our second child and then our third child and our third child toby he was born at home francesca our second child was born in a hospital as with a hammer but when toby was born at home which was a deliberate home birth rosie just felt actually she had one of those come to jesus moments and said that's what i want to be and she then trained to be a midwife and she did her she did her training finished her training did about a year or so working for the NHS, but her ambition was really always to be an independent midwife. 
So a midwife where, for example, first and foremost, it's one-to-one care, you know, woman-to-woman care, um, where she would be on call literally 24-7, no matter what the issue would be. She would uh, either, you know, sort of answer a question on the phone or via email, or she would go and see, go and see her clients. And she did that for five, six years, if not more. The government and NHS, uh, generally speaking, I don't think you know. So you'd be hard pushed to find an independent midwife nowadays. It's not re- you know, it's not really seen as being something which, let's say, the state wants wants to be there. Uh, so she left along with so many others uh, independent mid- midwifery, and we were and our children by this point were sort of teenagers, um, getting towards the end of their schooling, and. She then went for a job at Dobby's uh, Garden Centre, and and I think they still have food halls. But at the time, there were food halls. I think they'd been just taken over by Tesco's, and she was due to go for an interview, the one in Sirencester. And I said, "Well, hold on a second, I'll I'll go and have a look around there." And I had a look, went to the food hall, had a look, looked at all the shelves, took photographs of shelves, etc. And I wrote a report for her saying these are all the ways I think that the food hall could be improved and when she went to the interview they sort of said uh, you know so the interview went re- relatively well and they said anything else and she said well yeah actually i had somebody to come in to actually review at the food hall and i think the following things could be improved you kind of can't not give somebody a job there for if they oh. come in that well prepared and she turned that food hall from being one of the you know, Dobby's is a Scottish company, so their Scottish branches were always leading the way in terms of uh, where, you know, sort of uh, sales uh, nationwide. But she turned the Sirencester Food Hall into the top selling food hall in England in about Brilliant. a period of about 18 months or so. And at that point, we had friends who had a place in and around North Norfolk. And for whatever reason, um, we'd had a few trips up to North Norfolk. And Rosie had originally lived sort of her her school life, her home life was in and around Norwich. So she kind of had at this point a hankering to, and a desire to come back to Norfolk. And I liked Norfolk. I thought, you know, it was, it was a lovely county, um, you know, beautiful scenery. Um, and we had this desire to ideally, as with lots of people, desire to live near the sea. One, bi- one big problem to live near, as every, anyone knows, if you want to live near the sea, you either have to have very deep pockets or you probably have to work. Um, and we had to take the latter option um, and decided, well, if we're going to do that, you know, sort of our... Our savings and whatever that we had were all in the value of our property. So our funding for our business came entirely out of our out of our home. Right. And so we sold our home and we thought, well, you know, we're at an age, I was 53 at the time, mm-hmm. kind of at an age where, you know, it, we either do this now or never. And uh, we decided, okay, we're going to do this. And we packed everything, traveled up to North Norfolk, having having looked during the summer prior to that at all sorts of businesses. Oh, so you actually actually were thinking about we're going to do a business together. That's what you were. We were it's go- now or never yeah, the, about the thought, the thought, yeah. yeah, the thought was, you know, so there was there was absolutely no way that, for example, we could pack everything up, sell everything, go somewhere and have money to live here for every day and, and until we pop, popped our clogs. That wasn't an option. So it was always going to be, right, okay, if we're going to go there, we need to do something. 
chances of, you know, so once once you get to this part of the world, your choice of employment is not quite what it is in the Southeast. It tends to be very much hospitality, hospitality, care tend to be the two main industries. So it was always then a case of, right, what, what, should, we, what should we do? And we were, we were fairly open to what we what we could do i i'd already had an idea a few years prior to that of actually opening up a deli um, but it was it was one of those ideas where i'd kind of written a business plan and i and you know sort of put some i thought thought into it but it was shelved on the basis that you know i knew that in comparison to what i was earning in it um that we would, you know, so that the, the the family would suffer hugely from a financial point of view, and it was the wrong time to actually try and do that, as as the kids were sort of in the latter stages of their education, and we needed to, you know, sort of support them as best we possibly could through all those through through throughout that time. So when we when we came up to North Norfolk, we or to Norfolk, we just you know we would look what businesses are there we'd go and have a look at various things we looked at guest houses we looked at a number of things and when you did your research was that going to like mm-hmm. a, a, a com or yeah typically it was yeah typically it was yeah. it was you know a bit like i think i think we went used a company called christie's in this instance so christie's yeah. you know, they're, they're, you know if, some, if somebody were to be looking for let's say a deli i think there's I, we still get I still get notifications nowadays from I think it's right biz uh, yep. so if somebody look at, is looking to sell their business as a, like a deli or something like that you you would probably get notifications of that and you and you just you know filter it to say you know if you say I'm looking for anything you might get you know everything from a, who knows football club downward down down from yep. there and so yep. you just say well I'm looking for this type of bit style of business within this type of geography and then you'll get notifications of things like that and then if there's something really interesting you can get you can get the details sent to you uh, have a look at it and then if you're really interested uh, apart from being able to quite often get some accounts uh, sent through to you as well so you can get a feel for what the business is like and when they're talking about goodwill what what that goodwill might be etc you can then go and have a look. And that's kind of what we ended up doing. And we I'd been to Hunstanton twice before in my <laughs> life. Once we stopped once we stopped here when uh, we took the ch- children for a trip to Norfolk for a few days. And the other time was you've got Hunstanton and Old Hunstanton, which is separated by a very small distance. And uh, one of my one of my friends from my previous life in IT had his stag do up in Norfolk and we did canoeing in Norwich and then stayed over in Old Hunstanton in a place called the Lodge. And and that and, and that was my that was my two experiences of Hunstanton. So didn't really know the area that well. But we came yeah. and visited a, a shop, the, the shop which Ed was called the wine cellar in Delhi. And it was rather like when you go to I don't know when you when you're looking around houses and you're looking for to buy a property. We we went came into the premises and we were having a look and yeah I don't think we 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 did probably didn't make any particular buying sounds of any sorts. You know, so if if somebody had asked us immediately, <laughs> well, what, well, well, what do you think? Do you think you want to buy it? I don't think any either of us would have been committal in any way, shape, or form, but rather like a house that suddenly gets into your back of your mind and you think hey you know what yeah it's a, at, at that sort of price based on where it is looking at what it does if we were to do this if we were to do that 
I reckon we could improve it. I reckon we could change this from this and and do that. And before we knew it, that this the the this premises were it was like yeah that's I think that's what we want to do. And but what we will do is we will change change it. We'll change its name. We will do this etc. So I, I at this point I'd already set up uh, Norfolk Delhi. Norfolk Delicatessen Company Limited, so we were we already a limited company. Had you moved by that point to the no, area? No, you, no, 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 no. You still, you, no, we, oh, we, right, okay. So we moved. So, so we moved when we sold our our house. Um, so we sold our house. We got a buyer for our house July of twenty thirteen, and. It took through to around about October before it, the sale actually went all the way through. And so in that case, we initially, when we first moved up here, was the sale of the business hadn't actually concluded. So we'd sold our house. We were negotiating the purchase of the business, but we had but we moved, had to move up here because we basically didn't have anywhere to, else to live. And so we rented a house just kind of, and a half a mile away from the business while we concluded this, the sale. So it took us between, I think it was something like the 19th of October that we moved here and took until the end of December to actually conclude the sale and with an agreement that we would literally hand up, keys would be handed over and we would be running the business as of the 3rd of January. Right, right. So at that time, were you was it kind of a little bit nerve-wracking or were you excited or a bit of both really? I guess a, a bit of both. There was there was an element of frustration as well because we'd kind of we'd kind of done our bit, and mm. it, you just you know one just felt as if others and you know and it's an easy thing to point fingers at solicitors, but you, you got you, you, <laughs> like so it's just like yeah, buying a house. <laughs> I think anybody and everybody who's actually gone through these processes, whether buying a house or buying a property, you kind of think seriously, why does it take so long? And you can't work out why it actually takes so long, other than the fact that apparently it takes that long. So it was there was there was that. But, you know, so we had we'd kind of done a lot of the groundwork anyway. So having decided that we would do what we would do and having decided that a friend of ours actually came up with the name of the business, um, you know, it was, uh, unfortunately, he, he died last year, but it was a good friend of ours living a couple of doors from us in, in Lambourne. And I'd gone around there and they're saying, look, we've, we've got plan to do this. And I, and I was at the time, I was just thinking, right, OK, so we're opening up a deli. What what quirky name can you come up that, you know, sort of is delicious deli or, some, or some, something like that where you use the use the word deli in it and he was just saying well what are you planning to do and i said well we're planning to you know we're going to be in norfolk and there's and we've been up to norfolk and we've been to uh, the north norfolk food fair and met lots and lots of norfolk producers and we said you know we want to focus on norfolk products and he said well why not just call it the norfolk deli and, yeah. I, and it was like, like that light bulb moment and it's like yeah god yeah you know it's it's the most obvious name staring us in the face you know what you know sort of you know, this is, you know, it's, it's that Ron Seal moment, you know, so do, you know, so it says exactly what it does on a tin uh, element where he was of, right then, if, wasn't he? Yeah, he was right. <laughs> absolutely. Totally. You know, nail, you know, bangs a nail right on the, right, right on the head. So we'd done a lot of research anyway. So we, as I said, we'd already been up to Norfolk. We'd already met a number of the uh, producers who are still uh, suppliers to us and, you know, sort of friends as a result of that almost 10 years on. At the time, they were kind of thinking, oh, God, yeah, somebody else says they're going to open up a deli. 
yeah, we'll believe it when we see it type of thing. Right. There was but, competition, I guess, in the area and it, it, at the time. There is. in. It's hard, you know, without looking deeply into it. Norfolk being Norfolk, you know, we're one of the... I think we're just about one of the only counties in the country that doesn't have a motorway in it. So if it wasn't that many years ago that the main artery artery road uh, from London into uh, into the central and northern parts of Norfolk became a dual carriageway, uh, certainly in my lifetime anyway. So it's and as a result of that, there are lots of villages, lots of small towns that have uh, that tend to have some sort of a, a, a deli of, of one type or another. Um, so you know, there is a fair amount of competition here, but at the same time, as with lots of businesses, there's a high high hit rate of casualties. So you know, so I'm so if if you you know if you're selling products, hearing somebody say I'm opening up a deli doesn't necessarily mean oh goody rub your hands together and think you know so i've got i've got a great outlet to actually sell my products to uh, because you never know how long that business may stay in business but subsequently at the same time you never know if you've got a deli and your de- and your main source of uh, suppliers are small suppliers whether how many of those small suppliers will remain a small supplier to you in five six years time and i think that's it with the the world of opening a cafe or a deli, a restaurant, you, you know, lots of people dream about it, lots of people fail, but you're celebrating your 10th anniversary next year. So there's something that you did that, that made it work, um, which I guess we're going to find out. <laughs> but were there any external factors that just, you know, the town was a great place, the situation of what you were taking over that just sort of meant it was going to work better than other enterprises that have failed in the past, I, I wonder? I think... I think, you know, sort of pausing as I think about it, um, it's kind of, it's one of those things, it's very easy to kind of blow your own own trumpet and say it's because of us um, and that's the reason why we've succeeded and why other people have possibly failed. But there's a a huge amount of truth in that as well. Yeah. You know, Rosie and I, both, both of us have, and and as a result of that, our children, we all have very high ethics in terms of our, you know, sort of our ability and our desire to work mm-hmm. and to do things and to do things right and to do things quickly and to be efficient and all those types of things. And so we've kind of always run a very tight ship um, in terms of the business. We as with most industries, there are publications uh, that are very much trade publications for the speciality food markets and stuff like that. And there's one in particular. Uh, there will be a deli of the deli of the month, um, and they interview somebody, and they interview this deli. And both myself and Rosie look at look at it, and they, say, and they sometimes say what their annual turnover is, and you then say, look, and think to yourself, seriously, what they've got a turnover of X. And they employ that many people, where they're not making any money. It's impossible yeah. for them to, to make any money if they're doing that. And it, and there's only so long that any business can actually you know, sort of just live and work on the basis of you know sort of thinking to yourself, I'll put my feet up, I'll employ some people to do this, and they will, and you know, and I'll just live, I'll just live this really nice life, and say I have a, a have a day in a cafe, and I, you know, I and I kind of equate that to. You know, so it's it's that image that people have of a, a deli and a cafe, which is kind of reminiscent to a lot of 
classic ITV Sunday early evening dramas where somebody <laughs> owns a shop, owns the corner shop. And yet at the same time, not only do, do they own the, the corner shop, you never see them doing any restocks. You never see them doing any actual selling of anything or making anything, whatever. But there's always somebody there because because they live you know, so such an ideal lifestyle in a place that in a land that is always shining uh, and the sun's always out, they also have time to actually go and resolve a few murder mysteries uh, along the way. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I think sometimes dramas have create this image for people where oh, it must be so nice having a deli. Oh, you're surrounded by food and it's really nice and, and, you know, and you've got ch- time to chat to people, etc., one of the, I think we think it was a, it was meant to be a bit of an insult, um, but we can't. But you kind of have to take it as an acceptance of the fact that you know, so probably we're good at what we do. Is uh, one of the people that years ago came into the shop and and said to us that we were very businesslike, <laughs> suggesting I think that in comparison to the previous owners, where no doubt uh, the staff had lots and lots of time to just while away the hours and have a good old chin wag and etc we were far more okay fine thank you very much um is there anything else i can help you with you know giving some advice and to, on, on a particular food product but you know so i guess kind of making it relatively clear that we've got somebody else now to serve and all we all, all the other things that we need to be doing and yeah. so we were told that we were very businesslike and in many ways that's quite a compliment because yes we are very businesslike we you know so sort of we don't understand people who you know, so sort of you can send an email to and give them very clear indications that you know you want you want to buy something and then you never hear from them and you think to yourself, well, yeah. why not? You know, so yeah. I, I've just, I've, I've said I want to buy something from you, and yet you're not picking up on that sales signal. Uh, so we put in the hours. Um, yeah. We, you know, we're we're open seven days a week. I'm, you know, either one of us or on most days, both of us are here every day. Uh, we're kind of making up for last year and that last year we had quite a lot of lot of time off because one there was a birthday trip that had been planned for 2020 for my 60th which didn't happen due to covid uh that we then had last year which was a big surprise for me in terms of the fact that the entire family came out which i didn't know to a, a villa in italy and then my oh, eldest lovely. my my oldest daughter got married and she got decided to get married in tromso in Norway so we had so the close immediate family we all all went to Tromsø for the wedding and she'd been living in Canada for five years with her what is now husband in Vancouver and in without knowing I I was planning to Italy for two weeks and then at the end of the year that that there was going to be a wedding and my Rosie and I had been to to Canada to go and visit her so so we had a lot of lot of weeks out um, and we're kind of catching up guys when you guys do do sort of shut up shop, who have you got staff that look after no. it whilst you're there? You just shut it. Well, it's if we if if we shut up shop. So, for example, next weekend, uh, both the cafe and the shop and the shop will be closed because Hannah, because it was a very sort of uh, family orientated private affair. The the wedding, all her friends, etc. You know, it would be a bit much to try and get everybody to go travel all the way to Tromso. So she's having a party, uh, sort of kind of one year on from that. And 
So we're kind of doing most of the catering, a lot of the catering for that. Oh, so it's not you're you're not even getting any time off. You're just diverting. Oh, we will, we will. It's you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're happy. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, you know, we're we're supplying the cheese tower and we're supplying all the booths oh, and and, yeah. and and stuff like that. And there's various various things that are being made. You know, so we're we're not we're not doing you know, it's it's more a party as in you know sort of stand up and enjoy rather than a sit down meal uh, which yeah, yeah that, I, don't, I don't even think our daughter would push us make us do that <laughs> so you and I see that a lot with small businesses if that and they'll say you know we're taking a family holiday and 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 actually I think people can understand that if they see you there every day they're kind of happy enough to to say okay Norfolk Delhi's shut now whilst they're, they're off having a holiday because that they know you're always in there and you're the face of the business. Yeah, it's true. Majority of the time it's true. You'll be surprised at how many people if you know, will then revel in telling you, oh, last <laughs> time I came along, you were closed. Um, and you kind of think to yourself, God, you know, sort of, you know, at what, when when was that? Because, you know, we're so rarely closed that, you know, sort of it's it's real bad luck if somebody find, finds that that we're closed. And, you know, it, and it's even down to the fact, you know, we live above the shop. We've got a three, four bedroom flat above, above the shop. So, so you know, our commute, whereas, you know, sort of in the, in my past life, it was always a bane of my life. My commute is I get I get <laughs> up and I walk, I walk downstairs. Um, that yeah. is after walking the dogs in the morning and et cetera. But, but so... Literally, I, we walk, we come downstairs. The, you know, the most frantic time of the day, in many ways, is first thing in the morning. It's because we come downstairs. We, my son will have made the sausage rolls, but would have fro- uh, they've all been frozen, etc. So if we've got sausage rolls that we need to put in the oven, sort of egg wash and put in the oven, we've got to do that. So bake 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 bread or rolls. Uh, if there's quiches or whatever, that's fresh quiches that we need to make we need to make those or scotch eggs etc so so there's about a period so we normally come down at whatever time give ourselves about an hour and a half to two hours to prep before we open and that's usually sort of in especially during the summer months are the most manic time because you kind of want you know i'm one of those people that kind of wants to have everything ready for the moment we open um, because you just don't know who who's going to be there you know so you might not think somebody wants to come in and buy you know sort of uh, a couple of pots of salad at nine o'clock in the morning but believe me if, if it's not ready at nine o'clock in the morning you just know that you're going to have somebody wanting to come in and buy a couple of pots of salad uh, on that particular <laughs> yeah. day and so it's it is a it can be a mad rush but at the same time as the, as it gets quieter as is the case now you find that you know, so if you, you come down and instead of opening, our official opening hours are nine. But because we we live above the shop, if we're ready, if it's ten past eight and we're ready to open the shop, we see no point in having the shop uh, the door closed. Uh, so the door door the door will be open. We may we may pick up one or two people who happen to be walking past and they'll buy a cup of coffee. If if we don't, we haven't lost anything uh, because we have wouldn't have been open at that time anyway. So. So, yeah, this is really interesting. So going back to when you put in for the business back in 2013, yeah. was that was that buying the whole property then? So you you, you sold no. your property in Lambert. Is it on lease or was it's it something lease. like that? On lease. So mm-hmm. and but you live, but that included upstairs where you said. It right, inc- we're it, 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 yeah, it's the, it's the entire building. So that included yeah. the living living accommodation as well as the business. 
Yeah, so a big, really big change. And in those early days, I guess you had this going concern that made a bit of money, but you could see all these improvements. And, and so you started to improve. And, and I guess a lot of that online work, because the, the website's beautiful, did a lot of supplier sourcing. Was that was in those early days of setting everything up, was that a lot of work? And was it all hands to the pump, you, your, your son, your, your wife? in those early days so 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 in the early days when we first opened as i said so originally francesco and toby had no initial plans to to come and join us hannah has her own blog and she earns quite a bit of money from it it's it's all about traveling adventures and and stuff like that and so her initial plan coming out of university for her and her boyfriend they were going to travel around south america and uh, they needed to save up some money. So for the first six months, she came and joined us in the Delhi. And, and then she was kind of crucial um, because as we were getting our heads around a lot of things, everything from what stock we wanted, what stock we already had. Uh, we were having, because we bought the business as a going concern, one of... One of those things that we learned, uh, which uh, you don't necessarily immediately know, especially if you just come from a corporate world, is that if you don't need the staff that come with the business, you're the one that's going to have to pay them off right. in terms of by make, you know, making them redundant and looking at how many years they've worked there, etc. So that was a cost we weren't expecting because, as I say, you know, it was going to need to be a tight ship and we just felt that we would be the best people to to actually manage it and to steer it in the course that we wanted it to go. So Hannah helped us initially with things like uh, getting things on working properly with our EPOS, uh, uh, putting things on there while I was sort of looking at, up, at other areas of the business. However, first Francesca sort of soon followed us up, up here. And then about a year or so, Toby followed us up to, to Norfolk. So both both in their own way. So Toby initially ended up with a job as a fish and chip place, so sort of a very fancy one. So I suppose the North Norfolk's equivalent to something like Rick Stein's fish and chips in Padstow uh, opens <laughs> not, that, not far down the road from us. And it just so happened that the person behind it, his wife came into the shop and we said, oh, our son has applied for that. Anyway, long story short, he ended up getting a job there, ended up managing a new branch of theirs not that long before we opened our cafe in 2019. And then Francesca was also would come in and do various bits and bits and pieces. So the family have been there in varying shapes in ver- at various points and have helped us along the way without necessarily yeah. um, being on the payroll from day one. Um, so so you know so so our learning curve was everything from everything from we looked at the books previously we looked at how to get rid of all the stock that we didn't want and how not to make a huge loss on it how to actually bring in new stock develop relationships with external organizations because uh, we had this idea that uh, because we're in a coastal environment that there'd be holiday homes and it would be a great idea to for people to get a welcome hamper that would uh, be filled with norfolk produce oh, so, yeah. we, so we developed idea, a bit of marketing yeah so we developed our relationships with a couple of holiday home companies and stuff like that so we also then sort of introduced to people that you know so if they wanted a cake baked we could do that if they want during the summer if they wanted various types of catering 
of things done we could do that so so we ended up doing a lot of different things you know we've done a few weddings we've done a few uh, parties we kind of were there because we were very focused on cheese in the early initial days of the uh, cheese tower type things of the cheesecake for for wedding weddings so we've we've done a lot of that and it was always within my mind that as a business and once again as a business in a seaside resort which as everyone knows is a is very seasonal um, you know mm-hmm. you're you're when it when when you're really busy during summer you're really really busy and when it's january you get more leaves blowing into the shop than customers so so you know so you have to try and try and find some ways of flattening the peaks and troughs which is part of the reason why you know sort of obviously the website which you've been very complimentary about I, it hasn't gone unnoticed but the website was always going to be a critical part to the business and somewhat fortunately for from my point of view you know so sort of i i'd already when my when toby was seven he was playing ball for the Hungerford under sevens. And somebody said, we need a, you know, it'd be really great if we had a, had a little website for the, for the team. And everyone kind of looked around at each other. And yeah. obviously I was working in <laughs> IT. I was looking, I was working in IT and I just thought to myself, well, how hard can it be? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I said, I'll do one. And I can't remember the name of the software program that Microsoft used to have, but I just bought this software package and I built one. And then over that time, over throughout this time, I then built uh, a website for my wife's uh, independent mid- midwifery business. I built a website for a friend of mine who then moved to Spain and was doing uh, properties in Spain. So I did a built website for his property business. And so therefore, all I needed when I f- when we first moved here was effectively just an e-commerce platform. For somebody mm-hmm. to give me just a basic run through of if you want to put a product on, you need to do this, this, and this, and if you yeah. want to ch- change that, you need to do that. And I just said, right, okay, fine. I've got the framework, or let's say I've got the foundations. I'll build the house on top of it. So you um, didn't have to invest too much then in in the website because you it, did most of it yourself. Yeah. So the in the initial website that we had, it was pretty much just a case of a one off payment each year, and the investment we would make would be my time yeah and that was it um it's a little bit different now because we during covid um, or as a result of covid i i, I decided then to shift the uh the platform of the website you know so there's a there's a fee per month that is basically use the platform we we use shopify now yeah but 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 there was a whole there were a whole host of things that you know sort of COVID pointed out to us in the platform that we were using, which at the time we thought was brilliant. Where we thought, oh, you know what, it would be good if we had this, or we really need to be able to do that. And came across Shopify, had a play with it, and thought, yeah, okay, brilliant. And then the other big great thing without this being an advert for Shopify, although it'd be nice if they paid me commission, <laughs> is that rather like with Apple and Google and their app stores, Shopify has an app store as well. So there are multiple apps where, for example, you think to yourself, oh, what I would really be, like to be able to do would be to, to add a subscription uh, service. And there will be apps where you may have to pay extra for that app or there's some apps which may be not quite as advanced but would give you the ability to add a subscription element to your website and it just will work within the theme that you have and so 
I kind of label what maybe cruelly her websites into various types of categories. There's what I would just call brochureware, classic website. Oh, this is who I am. Uh, this is this this page is about us. This page is our contact page, and this page is maybe gives you two to three paragraphs of what we do, and beyond that, that's about it. And it's cost you X amount. You know, so if you can obviously get these things where some. Web design company says, we can do this for £295. And you think to yourself, that's money well spent. And I think to myself, well, yeah, that's that's kind of a brochure, but online, nothing more, nothing less. And you're not you're not really going to make any money with that. My, I always felt that our, our website needed to be a living, breathing organism in the same way that the shop is. So in the same way that, for example, you come into the shop this week and you have a look around next week or next month, you can come into the shop and there'll be something something different. There'll be maybe something new. We've added some new cheeses. We've added some new products. Um, the the way the window the way the window display looks is different because we've changed it for seasons. All that sort of stuff. Uh, the website needs to be the same because uh, you need to be you know. Amazon website doesn't look the same each and every time, or it will show, or it will say, you know, the, these are the things that you that you liked last time. So, so we need to be able to, you know, you need to play with the big boys to a degree to actually have some level of success. And you know, we're not we're not Amazon, but kind of do don't do too badly. Yeah, and do you get orders from all over the place where you think, well? They're not from Norfolk. How how on earth have they found us? That, we or... we we have had orders from as far as Auckland in New Zealand to Los Angeles in in the US. Wow. Um, a lot a lot of those fair a reasonably high proportion of those were during lockdown, where people living from a long way away and but had relatives in in and around Norfolk or who had originally been from Norfolk or whatever, were thinking, I know what, I'll buy somebody something that will remind them that or make make them realize I remember them and here's, and here's something from Norfolk to make them feel at home. Um, but we still, we still get that. Yeah, and when we get orders that come in at around about seven in the morning and we get a little ka-ching sound on our phones to say that an, an order's just arrived, if you look, if you look to see who, who placed the order, more often than not, it's somebody in, somewhere in Australia. Um, yeah. Because they because they're on, they're online doing their shopping um, after work um, while we're all just waking up and that simply wouldn't be achievable if all we did was if you if you want to buy one of our hampers give us a call uh, yeah which is great so actually I didn't really ask you about your motivations for wanting to set up a business and um and whether that was a change of lifestyle or just to be in control of your destiny like what was the original motivation for the move and the and the business because it's not like you're working you're not you're not putting your feet up are you god no yeah. no i'm i'm probably working harder now than i ever ever had which 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 should be a should be a warning to anyone wanting to open a deli i i, I should add but so my motivation for a business you know i'm one of those people that's seen this sort of i think I always think that the word entrepreneur gets bandied around far too much uh, and everyone sort of thinks, oh, you started a business, you must be an entrepreneur. Um, and maybe I'm just, you know, sort of uh, just feel that, you know, sort of, you know, sort of an, I just always felt that an entrepreneur is somebody that kind of mo- goes on and, you know, sort of maybe builds something far bigger than, you know, sort of just 
than probably than what we have. You know, so I, I kind of feel I've got an entrepreneurial spirit. I have a desire and have always had a desire to do things my way, um, irrespective of whether it's going to be the right way or the wrong way. And, and I think that's kind of what anyone who goes into is a could be classified as entrepreneurial probably does. They have a great belief in their in their own ability. They have a great belief in the fact that they're always right, although at the same time should have the ability to actually listen to people to to who will so say no why don't you think about this rather in the same way that a friend of mine gave us the name norfolk delhi um, yeah and you sort of think to yourself yeah great advice and that's and that's it I, that's what i want to do and i and i guess my that sort of spirit of entrepreneurship you know if i if i look if i look back at my career in it i suppose there's one or two ways i could have actually gone i could have i could have done what some people would do in it and they'll work go and work for a big a big it company they'll go and work for something like ibm they're going to work for something like cisco the microsoft you know a whole host of name named businesses out there where you can live a very relatively prosperous life working for one company pretty much for the entirety of 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 your career that kind that, the idea of doing that kind of sounded boring to me it didn't you know it didn't have i don't know is it is it excitement is it just that level of getting up and thinking to yourself what am i going to do is there possibly wasn't that sense of jeopardy at any point uh, which you kind of do when you run have your own business you know so at, at, at any point something could go wrong uh, there will be something that will crop up that you weren't expecting and you're then looking to try and find a resolution to and so pretty much all the companies i worked for were in a lot of cases could be would be classified as startups you know, you know, we're we're go we're go we're going out. We're going out into the big wide wide world. We're, it's the it's the wild west out there. We are forging new ground. We're going to people and setting up appointments with people to talk about things they never even dreamt that they needed or wanted until they've actually until we've actually told them that that's what they need and that's what they want. It was kind of that, and it was, and you know, and there is a lot more, and there is a lot of jeopardy in that because. You know, sort of one look at my LinkedIn profile, one look at any of my friends' LinkedIn profiles who had that, you know, sort of similar, I suppose, desire to work for that, these types of companies. And you'll see people who, for a lot of recruiters, would say, well, you've moved around a lot, haven't you? You know, so <laughs> not sure if we're going to take a risk with somebody like you because, you know, people work at a company for 18 months, two, you know, two years, three years would seem, you know, me, an old timer if you within working for a company for three years either that or that company's doing really well because one way or another you'd either be working for a company who would go bust because they had yeah. gone for fun, uh, funding and they'd run out of money uh, the, com- the company product just didn't work out or you didn't work out with the company uh, they just you know uh, after a period of time they didn't like didn't like the cut of your jib as they would say uh, and they would ask you to move on uh, and you'd be sort of looking for another bit another company so i suppose so i suppose you know i'd always been you kind of have to be all entrepreneurial in all of those yeah. aspects it, even if you don't take that final big risk and say yeah. you know i've got somebody else paying me to do to be entrepreneurial uh, and to be and to be a bit of a risk taker uh, you just have to take that big risk and say you know so that final step and say okay it's down it's now entirely all, it's all down on to me. me yeah 
if I if I don't work, I don't get paid. If I don't get customers coming through the door, I still I don't get I don't get paid. I can't pay I I can't pay uh, other people if that's not happening. Um, so you've got all of those things, and and I and I and I fully acknowledge and fully accept that's not for everybody. Um, yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it's interesting, kind of, isn't it? People making a decision to move into something that is more stressful, but that's or potentially more stressful, potentially more risky, but that's what's going to give you ultimate fulfillment. Maybe not happiness, but fulfillment. And yeah, that, that that's what's driving you to, to, to and it is, um, and as you say, it's, it's, you know, so the, the, the fulfillment happier or, or not, I guess, you know, I would say I would say I'm happier, uh, fulfilled, probably far more fulfilled, and and the reasons behind that are, I don't know I I think people who, you know, so the type of people that you interview for your podcast are the type of people who have a desire to actually go out and be the master of their own destinies, you know, so to to work for somebody and to come up with a good idea what you feel is a good idea or what you feel is a better idea than the one that is actually on the table at the moment. And you kind of feel in your heart of hearts, if only I could get somebody to actually take, take this idea on, we would be so much more successful only to be either shot down, told, you know, sort of, no, we're not going in that direction or, or whatever. And you just feel that moment is lost. Whereas, okay, you know, so we, we can make some bad decisions, but at the same time, we're a small business. We're very quick and nimble, and we can. And if we recognise a bad decision quickly, and generally we can recognise that you know what, that's a really bad idea, and we can recognise that really, really very quickly. Then we can move on to something totally different and find a better route to to whatever the you know issue was. Yeah, it's quite hard to fit the whole of your story in just this short slot isn't it but it'd be great to maybe just reflect on the the, the nice bits about maybe the hard bits if there are any but the 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 nice bits about Norfolk Delhi and and working with your family which is which is quite unique that it's not it's not a family business you kind of created this family business it's not one you inherited from you know down the line. No I think a lot of people would sometimes think you know so if you know you've been with your wife you've known your wife for 40 years you you live with her and you work with her how how you know do the two of you not want to kill each other and in truth we you know we we as we're every couple we will have our moments and i can be far more irritating to my wife than she will be to me oh. um, <laughs> but but you know so but ultimately i i think we're very fortunate in that uh, the two of us as we have known each other, have kind of grown together, and and you know we and we we share very similar values, very similar opinions and thoughts, and and I guess the same kind of things make both of us laugh, and the same kind of things make both of us cry, and you know, and we so you know we have we have a life which is you know by no. We're, we're certainly not sitting in riches. We, you know, we've never, I've never paid myself as little as as I have done since I've been, or been paid as little since I have running my running my own business. But, you know, we the, the upside is, you know, we don't have, as I mentioned earlier, we don't have things like commuting. 
I walk, we've got we've got three dogs. I I walk the I walk the dogs very early in the morning. At the moment, at this time of year, it's head torch on on the beach uh, with the dogs, and they run around and you know sort of got reflective wear and stuff like that. And you know, so sort of, and you know we and then when we close, it's kind of well that's it. You know, so sort of, I'm not thinking about work. What you know, well. I, not entirely true i am thinking i'm always thinking about work but but you know so we're not we're not sort of i'm not having to do conference calls i'm not having to do all these things that somebody else is what wants me to do i can kind of switch off i I, once again i take the dogs for a walk that's why i catch up with podcasts and stuff like that and and you know and we kind of relax and even even the day uh, during the day is you know we can have our frantic moments and we can have our frustrating moments but it's at the same time, it's a journey that we're on together, and you know, in many ways, you know, so sort of what's been fantastic has been the fact that uh, when we opened up our cafe, we kind of we, we opened our cafe just before COVID, and in many ways, we were planning to open it without really knowing who we were, who was going to staff it, and. Both my son and his uh, fiance now um, were both working together, and she said i'll come and work i'll come and work in your cafe and 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 i thought well my son will probably stay where he was and then he decided no he'd come and work there as well so so before i knew it my son and his uh, fiance uh started running the cafe but then then we had then we had covid um and obviously the cafe was closed um during which time my son discovered a skill none of us including probably he didn't realize he had and that he's an absolutely <laughs> brilliant baker and when when the cafe reopened to take the place of my son working in the cafe my my future daughter-in-law's twin sister had started working for us so oh wow so, so we so we now so basically he does he does all the baking uh, no matter what it is uh, which is great and my daughter-in-law and I don't know really what to call my daughter-in-law's twin, but uh, but you know they they basically run the day-to-day side of the cafe. We don't we don't even have you know we kind of we've kind of given her leeway and responsibility to to run it in that you know sort of staffing whatever you work out the rotors. You know if we need additional part-time staff, she sources them, finds them through her all her various contacts and stuff like that, which has kind of made life easy for us. We 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 get involved. I get involved with what we're going to have on the menu. The menu needs to be redesigned. We need posters for the cafe to promote something or other, or, or etc. Or my wife has an idea and and thinks as we've done this this year we're going to start doing our food which we can serve hot during during the winter so we're making things like lasagnas and i made a tartiflette yesterday uh, and stuff like that so so we kind of get involved but we're not in but we're not necessarily in there running it as yeah, such yeah. but it but it's but it's kind of all family members and we're kind of all in it together and it's you know so in the future of it and the future of it is ultimately I mean, we haven't really given an awful lot of thought as to, you know, sort of what happens when neither my wife or I can actually make it make it all the way downstairs in one piece. Is you know, sort of, I don't know, sort of one way or another. I'd like to see the business carry on, but obviously with the family yeah. in some way, shape, or form. But which I kind of think might happen. It might not. But you know, so sort of that's that's in, that's you know how things may happen we flirted with the idea of expanding further but i know i 
I think I think there's a good reason why if you come across a really really good deli that is really well stocked with loads and loads of different products, you don't see those uh, turning into the type of business Chains. that you see on the yeah. corner in, yeah, into a chain. Uh, yeah. You do see places that are called delis that are more cafe orientated. So you could you could potentially make our cafe into a chain type thing. But I, I think there's more value in doing what we do and maintaining it as it is. Um, and yeah. in many ways, I sort of see, you know, sort of future um, developments and how we build the business far more in terms of online alongside mm-hmm. the bricks and mortar bits. And I'd be happy you know, if, if we got to a point where the online was of a size where we needed a bit, bit more of a warehouse and, you know, our front front facing part of the business was the shop but you know so the the pre- predominantly the uh, profitable part of the business was the website so then that would make me very happy but yeah you can only work you can only work and, and go in this particular direction at any one time brilliant thank you mark for telling me that story and, and sharing that and happy birthday for next year your 10th birthday in norfolk delhi and yeah I, I can't wait to come and visit so thank you very much for sharing your story You'll be very welcome, as would everyone else.